and it's imperative that the people that get into these roles understand that um, they're going to be talking and dealing with citizens that are not necessarily on their best days. They're going to be on the ba a bad day. They're going to have to understand that they need to listen and they need to have in their back of their mind, how can I help you? I'm Esther Ekbadje, and I represent House District 59B in the Minnesota House of Representatives. It's an area that covers parts of downtown in North Minneapolis. In this role, I get to work with community members and local leaders to develop laws and policies that affect the state of Minnesota. I started a podcast in order to include more people in important and needed conversations that affect us all. Hear from voices that are familiar, involved, and influential on issues impacting our community. I invite you to listen in on those community conversations and join in by letting me know your thoughts. Today, we are joined by Alexis Love. She's a teacher in the Minneapolis public school system and teaches law and public safety within the career and technical educational program. Alexis graduated from St. Thomas with a master's degree in public safety and law enforcement leadership. And she spent years working in security at Midtown and as a Texas state police officer. With public safety continuing to be a major issue, Alexis offers a unique look into what it's like to work with teens who are interested in pursuing a career in public service. Today, Alexis is chatting with us in her personal capacity. She'll be speaking about her own experiences and views, which do not reflect or represent Minneapolis public schools. I started on my journey and then I ended up um, deciding that that wasn't where I was going to land and teaching and training was my best fit. And so when I graduated, this opportunity came and that young people to um, check their um, aptitude and their attitudes and to see if they are best fit for the industry of public safety and law enforcement and see, uh, make sure that they are servant leaders. And, and not just wanting to jump in the field to boss people around and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm doing and I love it. I'm that's creating good. The program. Yep. And where do you currently teach? And can you also um, let us know what CTE stands for? It, it, it stands for Career and Technical Education. Got it. Um, I currently am teaching online through the at the Davis Center um, and the the course is out of Edison and I will be so I'm creating the course right uh, as I'm teaching it um, so it's brand new it just started uh, this school year that we're wrapping up right now and um, <clears throat> so the first one I'm going to be teaching uh, three courses. The first one is called um, Intro to Law and Civil Service, mm -hmm. and that's the one I'm teaching right now. Um, the second course will be um, Community Policing, and the third one will be a capstone course called, um, it has to do with, um, the capstone has to do with um, serving in the community, okay? And I can't remember the exact name of it, but it is going to be like an internship and helping. Uh, it's going to be helping kids get into an internship. That's the goal. So, um, and I'll be in person um, eventually at Edison High School. That's so, great. 
Yeah. Was the class in person or online when you first, with this first year? This first year, it's been online completely. Oh, nice. Okay, great. And um, it's geared towards high school students. Is that right? It is. And I'm hoping um, as time goes on that I can stretch it to junior high kids. I have some ideas for an, a leadership academy. That's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I think it sounds really great that it's, you know, this role is being approached from a public servant perspective. Um, I think many of us in various roles of leadership, no matter what area it is, we, we're in it because we want to help people because we want to support people. So can you talk to us a little bit more about what public uh, servant, what being a public servant means to you um, and how you are inspiring these kids to, to take on that position? When I'm teaching kids about public safety and what servant leadership means, it's about accountability and um, responsibility. It's about um, having a trust between, a mutual trust between your community that you serve and what you're doing in that community, whether it be law enforcement or firefighting or uh, an ENT worker, or you're working in the court system, any public service role that you have, I'm teaching about all of those roles. And um, I'm making sure that the student is understanding um, all the current events around these roles and that they are understanding that if they have an aptitude for that. So I'm helping them build their leadership skills or critical thinking skills um, and that they need to be able to have conversations, um, critical conversations around these roles and that they're able to listen and critically think about um, the different points of views that everyone that they're encountering has and that they have really great listening skills also. Yeah, I think that active listening is a is a big part of leadership because like you said, you want to be accountable to the community that you're representing. Absolutely. What's been the response from your students? Have they? I've had, you know? I've had students that, um, well, I've had a mix. I've had some students that just take the course because they have to. And there's been students that have taken the course that are just, they have a lot to say. Um, they have a lot to say. Um, they are um, very verbal about what's going on in the community, what they think needs to happen, um, what's been happening in current events. I'm assigning work that I'm not afraid to touch on what's happened in the past, what's happened recently, what's been in the news. Um, I, there was just recently a frontline um, piece that Star Tribune was a part of. I assigned that as work and I, I asked the students, I did, I created a quiz around it. I asked the students their thoughts on things um, because these are things that are very important to the culture and to this line of work. And I need the students to be um, informed on this. Um, this is transformational leadership that we're doing and, and we need these leaders to be able to um, be a part of policies and practices that are transformational in this in our communities, so that they're growing, we're all growing, and they're all seeing that um, the work is being done, and they're doing a, a phenomenal job, and their their voices are being heard, and they're listening to the community. Yeah, no, I find when I'm in a room with young people, like you said, there's some who are just like, "Why am I here?" and then. The rest are, they're so active. I think for you, you've definitely talked a lot about leadership. And so it'd be great to expand a little bit more on kind of how are these students defining leadership? Like you said, we're, we're moving into a new generation. People are really seeking transformational change. So what are some of the things that they've said to you about 
what leadership means to them or what they want to see in our current leaders. I've had students tell me that they, <laughs> they've experienced leaders that, um, you know, they don't like it when leaders are going around saying that, you know, they are the, the one in charge, <laughs> the, you know, basically saying I'm the boss, I'm the leader, I'm the this, um, because that doesn't make a leader and they have recognized that. And um, I pose the question to them and uh, kids are, are smarter than we give them credit for. They see and they may not have the verbiage to articulate it. So I'm giving them um, the platform to be able to articulate what it is that they're seeing and what it is that they're feeling. But they are saying um, when they learn the verbiage and when we give them the platform, they're saying, you know what? Uh, we will follow those with integrity and that are proving um, that they're worth following. They wanna see um, leaders that are doing exactly what they say they're gonna do, okay? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and one of my assignments was, um, how do you see, or what do you think needs to happen between um, law enforcement and young people today to build a better relationship? And um, some of the students said, you know what, we want to see um, better, we want them to treat us better and um, instead of roughing us up when they see us, we want them to talk to us. We want them we to want interact with us positively. We want, um, and one student said, we need a better selection process for mm -hmm. cops. And I said, well, elaborate on that. What kind of selection process would you, would you suggest? <laughs> My student, sharp as a whip, said, um, well, the way it's been going, it's like it's a fraternity. Like they're only hiring their relatives and that we need them to hire people that, you know, are not from their same place or not relatives. And, you know, so I said, you're basically talking about nepotism and um, that doesn't necessarily make a good mean that they're a good fit for the position, does it? And they said, no, it means it's bad. It's not cops shouldn't be, you know, it's not a fraternity. <laughs> and they said, we want to see, um, for example, officers that are from different backgrounds, that are from the backgrounds we're from, that respect our culture. You know, they want to see officers that act like them, talk like them, understand like them, where they're from, and can relate to them in all kinds of different ways, and then can, then can understand where they're what they're going through. So that that was really um, interesting to me when they said talked about the selection process. So, these are things that they're saying, and I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a number of people have uh, discussed that when it comes to police reform and police accountability of, you know, do we have people who belong to the community or are we bringing in outsiders who have to drive like an hour, hour and a half to get to their, to get their shift? Um, well, sometimes, and I'll say, I'll speak to that. Sometimes, in my opinion, Sometimes when you have people that have to drive an hour or whatever to get to their shift, it's not necessarily mean that they don't belong, but because, but are they, do they have the aptitude to be able to deal with people from somewhere else? It's all about where they've been. It's all about what they're, what they're like. We have to screen them better. And I think that was what the student was getting at. The screening process is not very good. It's been more of a fraternal screen. Well, is your dad a cop? Is your uncle a cop? How many cops do you know? Rather than, you know, where have you been in life? 
who've, whose lives have you touched? What are you doing? Because people can't always help where they live. And some people are willing, if you're willing to travel, that's great. But how many lives have you touched that aren't like yours? And can you relate? Do you respect people whose lives are not like yours? It's not necessary because I have lived in Texas and I have lived, but I'm from Minnesota. You know what I'm saying? I've lived south and I've lived, I'm from the north, but I have all kinds of different, um, I've touched all kinds of different lives and I have all kinds of different diverse, diverse um, interactions. And I can pretty much move a lot of different places and talk to people in different dialects and respect their cultures. So I think it's, but then there's people who won't leave the Twin Cities, won't leave Minneapolis and even go to St. Paul. Should they be policing? You know, where should should they be policing? You see what I'm saying? So it's all about the person's, where a person is in their comfort zone and their cultural comfort zone and there should be some tests testing for that i don't think we've been testing for that mm-hmm. yeah and how do we get people to have those experiences because i think you know from what i've heard it sounds like sometimes it can be hard to to find people who either have those experiences and to want them to get to serve in this type of role or to be able to create those experiences for people who are interested in, those, in that role yeah i don't think that a role like this is where you should start practicing, you know, um, <laughs> encountering people that are different from you because that could be a disaster. Honestly, it could be a disaster. Um, everybody deserves the right to be policed like the person. Every community deserves to be policed the same. And no community needs to be over policed, not one. And um, I'm just going to be real with you. Um, young people don't need to be over policed. Mm-hmm. Um, black people don't need to be over policed. You know, Hispanic people don't need to be over policed. It's not about that. It should be, you know, the rural area or the urban area. One area doesn't need to be over policed. It it just we just need to. There needs to be a respect for the officers, and the officers have to have respect for the community, and that's what's been lacking. You see what I'm saying? That's yeah. the part that's lacking. Whether the officer is from there or not, the respect has to be there. And if the respect isn't there, that's what's been noticed. Mm-hmm. If, the, if the officer respects the community that they are policing, that is noticed. And there's a way that it's like a new person that shows up on the job. Yeah. If you don't know, you, you, you learn. There's a learning period. And people know when you are in that phase where I'm just taking it in and I'm learning and I'm understanding there's a there's a there's a way that you take in information and you ask questions when you're trying to it's that you give it that period of of gleaning before you just start making interjecting and making assumptions you don't do that and if that is missed that can be you can miss crucial information and because people have on a uniform a badge they have a, a lethal weapon on their waist they feel like they can skip over certain steps and not take in information at times. That's crucial. It can make life and make life and death decisions. And this is where we've 
America especially has really gone awry with this. Just placing a gun and a badge on somebody and giving authority to somebody that has taken these, um, made these decisions without taking in enough information. And we need to halt on that. So yeah. that's where the servant comes in. The servant serves first. That's true. Yeah, it's like we got to start teaching that again. We got to start instilling that in people again. Um, and I think, you know, the work that you're doing is probably, you know, beneficial in, in terms of getting younger people interested in what it means to be a leader and thinking about how leadership shows up in their life and how they show up as leaders and who they want to emulate. Um, as we, you know, you know, a lot of your work kind of touches on public safety, especially from the law enforcement perspective. But I, my understanding is you've also done some work about people who want to be like EMTs or firefighters. Is, mm -hmm. Okay. And then, so that's also part of like the public safety conversation, but doesn't get a lot of light shined on it. So, uh, you know, one thing I think, you know, people will be interested in is like, how do all these three, how do these three pieces kind of interact with each other and what's the role that they have in the public safety apparatus that we have in our communities. And, you know, is there, if we can think differently about maybe firefighters and EMTs, how can we bring that um, paradigm and have that paradigm shift when it comes to police? That's well, a big question, but <laughs> you can take whatever it's pieces it's a you fair want. question, absolutely. So, well, let's look at it this way. When someone calls 911, it's usually for a fire or there's a health emergency or there's some sort of law or crime, right? There's some kind of negative or adverse action that you're gonna need one of the three of those, a firefighter, an EMT, or a police officer. And so these, this all, it has to do with public safety. But uh, a 911 operator, a dispatcher, is also a part of this, this um, I'm training, leaders to go into those roles as well. So I'm training leaders that could touch any one of these roles in, 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 in these major, um, in this industry. So um, it's imperative that these servant leaders are there are just that. Um, and it's imperative that the people that get into these roles understand that um, they're going to be talking and dealing with citizens that are not necessarily on their best days. They're gonna be on their bad, a bad day. They're gonna to have to understand that they need to listen and they need to have in their back of their mind, how can I help you? How can I serve you first? And then that's this is how the three intersect. And I hope I'm answering your question, mm -hmm. but that is key um, because everybody needs to feel safe. So no matter where they're from, no matter what their their economic status is, no matter you know what they look like, no matter if they're visiting, worshiping, wherever they are here, especially in the Twin Cities, especially right now, they need to be able to trust that when they call on one of these, um, any one of these um, servant leaders in these roles, that they're going to show up with integrity and they're going to show up um, to serve and and perform their job well. How do you think that we as community members can best advocate for ourselves to make sure that that type of training is happening in our public safety systems? I need community members to support this program big time. I need community members to, a program like this needs um, 
a lot of exposure and needs a lot of um, anyone who's interested in um, the healthcare arena um, to become an EMT worker, um, civil service worker, work in the courts, whether it's even in psychology or any, if you want to touch any of these areas, I need the community to back this program um, because um, it is imperative that get people in of integrity in these programs and come out. I need when the kids come out of this program, they need to be able to go into internships with competitive salaries for this state and um, um, so that they can make a, 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 a good living in this role and that they can um, know that, you know, they came out of MPS um, as a, in the CTM, CTE program and be proud to say, I, I came out of this and this was, this was great. I'm not training them to be EMT workers. I'm teaching them about the, the jobs. I'm teaching them about, I'm introducing them to the jobs. I'm not training them to be cops. I'm introducing them to, um, to that. But what I'm, more, what I'm doing more is finding out, I'm helping them find out more about them. Are you fit for this industry if you're interested? Could you be a servant leader? Here's what this industry offers. Here's all of the different roles that you could possibly get into. And here's what it would take. And here's, and if you take my classes, even if you don't go into this role, you take my classes and you pass with a B or better, you have now college credit. So whether they're electives or whatever you do going forward, you, you don't have to take these courses going forward and if you do go into the industry you're you're you've completed um quite a bit and you can kind of skip over so that's that's the good part have you started to see some um success stories even though it's just been one year <laughs> a little bit i had one of my students um graduated um this year and he spoke um at, he spoke at his graduation and he's an a student so, um, and he made a name in my class and he will get a credit um, for that. And I'm excited about that. Um, so this is the first year and I'm really proud. I'm looking forward to more. I've had a student last semester tell me she wants to be a detective and she uh, was taking the course online and she was out of the country and she's planning on coming back. I can't wait to hear from her again. So I'm excited um, about what this what this has to offer i'm excited about the students that are excited about this industry and i'm always around to help my students with whatever it is that they need and they know i have one student that calls me all the time and just calls me teacher <laughs> like you know i just explain everything i'll over explain you know whatever they need um and i'm everybody at some point my mom used to always say, you know, you might get, not get it now, but you, it'll come later. And that happens. You know, you might not think these things now because I have ninth graders all the way to 12th grade. Okay. And so people don't necessarily think that it's important now. But the things that we talk about and the things that we discuss, they come up later. And I think as this goes on, somebody might say, hey, you know, I was in Miss Love's class and we talked about this. And I expect that at some point. 
that will happen. It happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's how kids learn. Mm -hmm. Have you found that there is their potential interest of taking this broader, potentially outside of NPS to um, get more people who might be looking to see what type of role would be right for me in the community? Uh, I think there's always potential for that. I think that um, I have, uh, I think when I got interviewed, I, I was asked, what is my, um, in a perfect world, what is my vision for this? And I think uh, my, I said, you know, I would love to see um, all of the, all of Minnesota adopt a program like this and um, all of the agencies out there um, all the civil service agencies create internships for students to come out of a program like this and go right into um, internships and get into these fields and um, then get into the profession and turn the professions around and um, I do see the potential I do think really really big and I think that other um, I could I could see this growing astronomically, I do. You know, for things like this, how do you see um, elected officials who are, you know, very much interested in police accountability and police reform, um, and also, you know, getting people into these professions? What what type of role do you think that um, we, we should be playing um, in engaging on this? In my opinion, supporting the student um, starting younger is a the big I think I think the student gets missed the most because they're a little more malleable you know what I'm saying so enticing the student with um, I don't say enticing but making it easier for them in for example with programs like um, and initiatives like uh, um, tuition reimbursement, for example, um, or paid internships, like I said, with competitive wages for the cost of living in the state or down payment assistance and travel assistance, all the things that students, they, they go through so much. I, I think that putting policies in place that really target the student more, um, I, I don't think you can go wrong there because it, to me, it's, 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 targeting the base, the more the root of the issue, and then seeing the fruition, seeing the fruit of your labor later is better than attacking the each issue and just spinning your wheels and, you know, and time goes by and things don't seem to change. But taking a different, and this is just me thinking outside of the box because that's how I am, targeting the student more and their biggest issues and their biggest needs I think we'll go a lot further if we keep the person in mind more than the dollar. And I'm not saying that the state legislation only has the dollar in mind. I'm saying just just targeting. I have a lot of complaints too. <laughs> I know. But I, so, I, but if, and, and this is just me in my perfect world scenario. So, because you asked the question and I'm just giving you the answer, not being a state legislator, not knowing all of the things that you go through. But if there was a way in a perfect world to target the student and all of their issues and, and making it easier for them, I think 
the residual effects would be so much better. The outcomes would be so much better because now you have a st supported student that doesn't have all these other worries now because the state took care of them in school and they came through this program and were able to get into this field and they were able to keep the main thing the main thing, right? And now you have a stronger citizen that was supported by their state in this role doing phenomenal. And now you, and you don't just have one, but you have many. And now you don't have as many complaints because this person was supported. You have so many more. It just, to me, it just makes a richer environment. And I'm not saying there won't be problems because there's problems everywhere, but I feel like you're targeting, it's a better target than shooting the issues or shooting the, um, shooting at the issues that are out there and just, I guess, the effects and not the cause. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You understand my answering that? No, yeah, I think that that's right. I mean, a lot of times we sort of have to start at the beginning, right? Because, yeah. you know, what we're, whatever it is we're trying to fix has been so entrenched that it's really hard to make you know, any real changes at the top. Yeah, that's um, what I'm trying and this to... might be one of those, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, that's why I was, was imagining a leadership academy at junior high level leading into this program. Um, you know, and I'm not talking about a, a, a police academy at all. I'm talking about a leadership academy, you know, sixth, seventh and eighth graders, getting them ready to talk about the things that we talk about in our ninth, ten, nine through 12 um, in this course because this is um, building leaders again and getting them ready for not just this field, this industry, but all the other industries out there. But you got nurses and EMT workers and all these people that deal with people in their in bad days that are not doing well. They get cussed out, they get, you know, they get you know, spat on, they get whatever, and they have to take it. And you have to be at a certain place at your core to be able to deal with this. You have to be secure in who you are to be able to deal with people on their bad days so that but you also have to have somebody that can check you and tell you, hey, take the small win and, you know, go on and not don't don't be a person that needs to, you know, remind somebody that you're wearing the badge. Because if you have to remind them that you're wearing the badge, you might not you might not be the one that should be wearing the badge. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You don't you shouldn't have to remind them that you're wearing the badge. It just is a thing. I'm shedding light on my high school students. Are you, who are you? And that's what I start with. The one, or the very first assignments is a know thyself assignment. Mm -hmm. Who are you? I, I ask them who they are and then for them to tell me and I tell them who I am, how I grew up, why I chose this. And, um, and I, I, we talk and it's a safe space. I don't share that with other people unless they say I can, but I, I'd talk to them about the things that they share with me because, and it's a reflection piece. And at the end of it all, I want to ask them, well, how do you think you are now that you've gone through a semester with me or a year with me? Who are you, have you grown in me? You see what I'm saying? This yeah. is just the leadership piece. And I want to d dive deeper into that with younger kids and over a, a longer period of time. This is how I want to build the, the leaders of tomorrow, starting as early as I can. I want to get my hands on. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. The sooner we get our hands on these young kids and really help them 
work through some things, the better we'll be be in professions like these. That's all. Yes. Um, I think that Minneapolis has seen a lot of negative, Minneapolis, the Twin Cities in general. And I think that we could be, I really, I hold dear to my heart where I'm from and that's here and the Twin Cities from Minneapolis. And I think that we can go from a place that has, the nation is, the, the world is seeing negativity. I think we can rise to the top and we can be a model for the rest of the nation and the world. I, I really do believe that and I wanna see that. And I would love to be a part of that. So that's that's where I'm at. That's so good. Well, thank you so much for the work you have already been doing. And um, I hope that this helps kind of spur people, more people's interest in, in the CTE program. Um, and hopefully they can reach out to you and to learn more and, and to find ways to help. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.